Follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad, here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you? Uh, good, Shad. I'm doing good. I'm glad to hear it. I want to say thank you to everybody out there who's joining us for this episode. I'm sure there's all kinds of stuff floating around your head we'll get to, but we'll take our take care of our shout-outs right here at the beginning. The first one's going to go to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, collarandelbowbrand.com. Use the promo code 4CORNERSPODCAST. That's the number four, capital C and corners, capital P and podcast, to save 10% off your order. For other shout-out, we go to Matt. Uh, that would be to Orlando Cologne. You know, Shad, I looked it up. The yeah. official cutoff for cruiserweights at the WCW Cruiserweight Division was 220 pounds and Orlando is coming in at a svelte 230 pounds. That means he he's just missing the cruiserweight just weight missing limit by 10 pounds. Why, Matt? That so sounds like a segue. It is a segue. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, there are going to be two parts uh, to this episode. Uh, the second part is we're going to talk about WCW cruiserweights, one of my favorite things uh, in the history of wrestling myself. But the other part is, I don't know, there was something contemporary that happened here recently. Um, Double or Nothing was this past weekend, and not only was Double or Nothing this past weekend, but there was some wackiness going on, going around uh, with it, wasn't there, guys? Yes. Um, <laughs> over with? Um, kind of over with? Over with, or is it still ongoing? I think they're going to try and turn it into an angle. So, um... For, for those of you out there that I don't know how you could be uh, online and involved in wrestling and not know about this, but we'll start with the <clears throat> unofficial lead-up to Double or Nothing. Um, I believe since Double or Nothing was on a Sunday because it was Memorial Day weekend, uh, on Saturday there was a supposed to be a meet-and-greet that MJF was going to be at, and he wasn't. And everyone was kind of like, uh, what's going on? Now, incidentally, there was one that Samoa Joe was supposed to be at, and Joe wasn't there, but that's because he'd been double booked and he was doing voiceover work. But MJF just flat wasn't there. So fans, he got their option to be the refund or transferring to somebody else. And then the whole bunch of stuff broke loose. Um, there were stories uh, that... MJF was playing slots at Mandalay Bay while he was supposed to be at the meet and greet. There was a story. Um, Fightful had the story about someone buying a plane ticket for him. 
um, which uh, that that dropped late Saturday enough that um, Sean Rossep had like a 1.30 a.m. stream about it, uh, which I was so enraptured by this. I stayed up to watch part of it. Uh, I regretted it in the morning, but I stayed up to watch part of it. And nobody was exactly sure what was going on. In game, MJF still showed up. They had his match first, which I think was a smart move because it gets the drama out of the way. MJF v. Wardlow out of the way for the beginning and doesn't cast a shadow on the rest of the show. But it was an odd circumstance, wasn't it, guys? Well, it's a yeah. It oh, go ahead, Matt. Go ahead. I was gonna oh, say no, go it's um. Keller had some stuff to say about it today. And he's mm-hmm. been pretty dead. He was pretty dead on with the Cody stuff. Is that kind of all unveiled? So I'm gonna pretend like he was. He has like a good source on this, but it sounds like a very complicated relational problem with Tony Khan and MJF um, regarding contract negotiations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What were you gonna say, uh, Matt? Well, uh, let's just talk about the Wade Keller thing. If if what he is said is accurate, um, essentially what he said is that he that um, that MJF and Tony were tight, like they're they seem like to be friends of a sort, mm-hmm. um, at least as early as like late last year. And then it sounds like MJF thought that around the beginning of the year, when he would have two two years left in his contract, when he gave that interview with. Um, was it Ariel Hawani? Yeah. Where he, yes. Yeah, that wasn't cleared, I guess, with Tony uh, and the office. Um, and that was a little bit of heat between the two of them. Because it, it seemed like he was very much in character, but he starts talking about, like, oh, my contract's up in two years and saying positive things about the WWE. And I think that was all, like, you know, just MJF working, working heel, like he always does. Yeah. Uh, but it, that, I think... Like rub Tony a little bit the wrong way, and well, MJF didn't, didn't what, clear that. What, the, what he said actually is that it wasn't about that. It was just he broke company protocol, and mm-hmm. really all it was was Tony wasn't upset about it. He was just like, "Hey, uh, make sure you, you, um, hey, don't, don't do that without clearing it with us first. It was more like a slight, you know, when like. You, your boss has to tell you not to do something, but it's not like a big deal. It sounded like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it seemed like things kind of deteriorated from there and became a thing where MGF, it sounds, got really worked up and upset about how, like, well, why haven't you come to me trying to renegotiate our contract so I can get more money? Uh, you can sign me to a longer deal. And it didn't seem like Tony had made it a high priority for him, which I can't necessarily blame him for. If a guy has like two more years on his contract, like maybe he wants to decide MJF to a longer deal, but I wouldn't necessarily think like, oh, this has to be done right now. If you got two years left in a contract, you expect like, all right, well, you know, when a year into it, when he only has a year left or six months left, like that's when you really start negotiating hard. But mm-hmm. and it sounds um, like um, MJF sounds like he was being a poor communicator throughout this situation. Yeah, it's his behavior seems a little weird where they it seems like Tony was down to negotiate and 
MJF is making apparently he's making it got revealed like he's making more money than when he like first signed with AEW like they they bumped his pay up significantly mm-hmm. he's just not he I guess he wants to you know basically be like I want to be paid what the top guys are paying and the article by Wade Keller did have some what I would say make a, a, a sensical approach that it's like other guys that Tony has signed within the last year have are allegedly getting like a lot more money. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're talking about like CM Punk or Brian Danielson, it's like, okay, well, you know, they deserve to get that much money because they they've become big stars in the industry. Mm-hmm. But two names that were thrown out was like, I think big show and Mark Henry. And it's like, well, you know, they're, they're stars, you know, and they're legends, but I wouldn't be paying them top dollar when all they're going to be is like announcers. Right. So I can understand where MJ would be like, heated about that i think he i think though he he deserves what punk and danielson are making like when cody was saying that i thought cody was absolutely way off the mark overvaluing himself but mjf if he says i should make what brian danielson makes and he said that to me and i was running the company i'd be like you know what like you are right like let's and i'm not saying tony khan's necessarily wrong i'm saying i think Cody was wrong to think he deserved what those guys made. I think MJF is right to think that. So since um, since MJF got a starter contract at the beginning, like a whole bunch of other people who had not been on a big stage before. Okay, fair enough. Then MJF proves that you know he's worth more, and so he went to Tony to get a raise, and he's making. You know, uh, the description I saw was hundreds of thousands more. So, you know, quite a big bump from wherever it had been. He's probably making top dollar for what people were making before that wave came in last year of right highly paid, like, top-level talent. Right. But like you were saying, Brad, he doesn't sound like he was communicating great because he was waiting for tony to come to him and offer it as opposed to being like hey tony dude i know we we got a bump once but man you know i'm doing all this stuff you know i've got the some of the highest rated segments i honestly think i'm worth more than this um supposedly he was waiting for tony to come to him and then getting frustrated that he wasn't it's like okay i can understand being frustrated you're not getting that but you've you've you should advocate for yourself on this, man. You've done it once before, you know, it just, just go say, Hey, look, you know, here's why I think I'm worth this much. And if Tony's like, well, okay, let's talk then great. But I mean, we got to remember MJF's 26. Yeah. I was thinking there's, there's some maturity issues, right? I mean, he's, he's exceptionally good as as a wrestler and a wrestling personality but there's also a fair amount of um developmental maturity that that may not be there it seems like so i don't know it's i i mean i actually really appreciated the way keller thing because again operating under the assumption that what he's saying is you know accurate yeah uh it, it added a lot more context to me because it going into this it just seemed like mjf is kind of being like like a bratty punk because he just wants more money. And I understand like the, the reason what you want more money, it's like, he's first, like their for homegrown talent. He's probably like their, their biggest pushed heel. 
Yeah. And the heel with the most potential of anyone there. I mean, I, I fully believe that 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 MGF before all this weirdness, like MGF, if you had asked me within like the next year and a half, that's what's left in his contract. I would have been like, oh yeah, he's probably going to become like champion. Like he's probably going to be the one uh, to dethrone the next the, the the current face champion. Like I would believe that. Yeah. Uh, now you know there's like some ambiguity as to what his status is with the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it did have a lot of context where it's like, well, it's not just about money. Like he feels personally slighted by Tony because they're friends and there's various different reasons why. And it sounds like they're going to sit down and kind of hash things out. And they maybe, maybe they already have hashed things out because, uh, I don't know to what extent they may have hashed things out, but I mean, if you listen to like the wrestling observer, uh, Dave and Brian are kind of suggesting like, well, it's, the whole MJF thing, is he going to show up at the pay-per-view? Is he going to job to Wardlow? What's going to happen? Like, that already kind of turned into, like, work. Like, they thought, yeah, like, yeah. well, whatever was going on, like, it, they by that point, it, it had been turned from a real thing to, like, a work, because he showed up, and he, he even did stuff, which it's, like, it's kind of working working everyone. Yeah. Because he came out first, but then he, like, his music played, and then he didn't come out just yet. There was, like, a yeah. delay. So then it's, like, oh, my God, like, what's going to happen? Like he's not going to show up and he comes out. And, but things like that, um, I, I think, I think it does make sense that he's. Things are probably like getting worked out between the two of them. Um, and Tony has said, it, it, assuming Tony is, can we take it at face value? Like we can assume that Tony is going to pay him in some way. Like, but obviously with that would come like more more years but if they had this like good yeah. friendship and mjf really does want to stick around he's not just like well i just, i, I want the, the grass is greener on the other side like i want to stick around i just want to be paid what i think i deserve and tony is like well okay i'm, I'm down to do that but i want beyond like the the year and a half you have left i want like even more time from that like i'm sure they can work something out yeah I would I would think so. And uh, I I would hope that MJF is is aware that even if WWE wants him, they would not let him be him like he, he would not be. They say they want him, but he would not it would not be the same person we see now because they can't keep their mitts off messing with all that. Well, um, even Cody, for as much as like. That report was some people are swayed by his booking. I don't even really think Cody's booking has been that great. Like, it's been good in the sense that they haven't screwed him up yet, but it hasn't been, like, inspired or, like, interesting. Like, he's already wrestled The Miz twice on TV, and he's been on TV for two months. But that's... Yeah. I don't think anything there is, is like, is particularly, like, well done. Um but there is like a perception. Like I think Brian Alvarez even reported it. It's like, oh, there's a perception in in AEW. It's like, oh, maybe those people, would, maybe people would go to WWE. It's like, well, not. You'd have to think long and hard because it's like not everyone. You can maybe get a paycheck, mm-hmm. but not everyone's going to get the Cody treatment. And if people mm-hmm. are thinking that they're going to get the Cody treatment, they're going to be sadly mistaken. Because like yeah. Cody, Cody was part of the WWE system, so he's, I'm sure, like, behind the scenes, well-liked there by Vince and other people. He, yeah. Vince probably, like, personally respected that he left, did something to make himself, like, a bigger star, and then is coming back. Like, 
other people, like it, it's not going to happen. Like it really isn't. Yeah. I mean, I I can I think that people like MGF, it you would think like, oh, he's uh he can't miss. You can't miss with a guy like that. But if he were to go to the WWE, the person that who's just in my mind, I'm thinking like he would become the new Miz. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Better worker than Miz. But he becomes the new Miz in that they just have him go out there and for like 20, 30 minutes he'd do a talking segment. And then maybe he you know, he wrestles every now and again. And they and, try and hand him a script that doesn't sound like him. Yeah. And or something it, Yeah. Or something like Ricky Starks. It's like Ricky Starks I think is like has a lot of talent. He could go mm-hmm. far, either in AEW or elsewhere. But if he were to go to like the WWE, it's like I don't He's so talented you want to think that he could break out of the pack yeah. what would they do with him would they put him would they shove him in nxt for like two years and people like don't care about him anymore or would they yeah. put him immediately on like the main roster uh but then again if they put him immediately on the main roster it's like well is he going to actually be pushed and do well or is he going to get like the ricochet treatment where he like you barely see him and usually when you oh. see him it's to lose or is he going to be like uh job into austin theory like every week for like eight weeks straight the other thing, and if though, he does that, get put, to, if he oh. does get put to the main roster, like what? What about everyone at NXT? Are they going to be like, why is he on the main roster immediately, and I'm not? I'm still languishing here in NXT. Yeah, and there are some people who have uh, that I I have seen make the argument, and I'm going to tell you why this argument's wrong in just a second. But I've seen some people make the argument. It's like, well, just go for the paycheck. Who cares if you're just sitting and catering the whole time? It's like, no, no, no. nobody gets in the wrestling business to not wrestle. That, that doesn't work. You don't get into wrestling to not do it. Well, and I think what people don't understand with that is like, yeah, you, you sat in catering, but you probably traveled eight to ten hours to get there to do nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like I could have sat home for the exact same thing. There's no reason for me to be here. I'm not getting to do what I'm apparently good enough at for you to hire me for, but you won't let me do it. Well, and, and um, I was going to say, WWE also has a really bad habit of, like, there was this interview, I think when they were in Cleveland, maybe, where he and Powerhouse Hobbs are outside doing an interview with Tony, and he yeah. has, like, a ski-like outfit on, and Powerhouse Hobbs is, like, in, like, overalls with, like, a fur coat on. Yeah. And it's like, they would never do that in WWE, because you have to have your gear on at all times now. They never yeah. let you wear, like, your civilian well, clothes. And the current push right now, supposedly, is we're not bringing in indie people. We're going to body guys and body women and um, people we train from the ground. It's like there's, there is nothing indicating that it would be, for example, and also Ricky Starks, the AEW roster is not as physically large as the wwe roster is so ricky starks would as talented as he is would come off looking small and he's not the type of he's not the type of he has a very good physique but that's not the physique they want because he has a very lean like athletic look and they want yes bloated bodybuilders they want puffy yeah and by the way a puffy body type um, I'm convinced leads to more injuries. That's I'm convinced that's what like that's what happened with Batista is Batista had a bunch of injuries and 
from what I understand, and and if if you argue with me, if you think I'm wrong, I understand. But you know, he's on the road a lot. He's using a lot of weightlifting machines. Well, the machines don't have you don't work stability with a weightlifting machine. It handles all the stability for you. So he's doing all this, and it's enhancing the major muscle groups, and all puffy and big. But that connective tissue isn't strong, and that connective tissue is what kept tearing, well, and, and why he I kept going out. Problem so, is, I don't think he had he didn't have athlete muscles either. He had like show muscles, and mm-hmm. show muscles aren't necessarily like flexible. They don't like, and I think yeah. there's. I also think that um, just based on the frequency that injuries happen in WWE, I also think they're overproducing of how people wrestle, the having to play the hard cam the requiring them to bump the same way every time. Like they really take a lot of agency away from the workers and how they yeah. work. And I think that actually causes more injuries than if you just let them do pile drivers and bump how they wanted to bump. Like, I think, I think that forcing them to wrestle a certain way causes injuries. Yes, exactly. The, the style that they're enforcing and the body type they want I am convinced leads to more injuries. And they now, just have I, their people work too much too, honestly. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's another thing I like about AEW is if you want to go out and work other places, go for it. But if you don't, if you're going to come to AEW and work your contract, great. Go work your contract and then don't do anything else. You don't have to, and it's fine. And guys get a chance to rest up and heal that way. And, you know, I really like that. Um because then you don't have people who are out because they had a needless injury. What did we hear over and over again for in the the aughts and the in the teens was you know got hurt working at a house show. Yeah. And it's like the other thing with well, them wanting to train their own people though, we've seen what their trainings look like the last five or six years, and other than freak like athletes that overcame their bad training like montez ford and bianca belair like their track record is really terrible yeah you it's their mainstays have been people who had kind of already proven themselves and even like braun who i think is really talented is like Mm -hmm. really showing the cracks in his training the more you see him i like braun breaker I think he's got a lot of potential to him, but they are pushing too hard, too fast, too soon. Well, and I don't he's... understand. Why the fuck is Joe Gacy employed, and why is he getting pushed? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I don't understand why they're having him in a, in, a, in a main event feud for the title with Braun Breaker. Yeah. My only, my only guess, my only guess would be that because they kind of have depleted NXT in many respects. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, at least Joe Gacy, is I guess you could say, yes, he's, he's, he's a quote unquote veteran. Cause I mean, he's been around a while. Mm-hmm. A, so maybe a, he was, he wasn't even really good enough to leave CZW and he's main eventing in NXT. Like what's going on? I, I don't know. Again, he was in CZW. He was also like an evolve for a while, and there's obviously there's like a evolve connection. I maybe it's just the key is experienced enough, and so they're pairing them together. Uh, and maybe later on, I still don't understand it though, because if you really want to think about it, 
you could you could have Braun be facing up against like uh Legado de Fantasma, even though I think he already he already worked them at some point. Uh you could have Braun going against something like Carmelo Hayes. Like Carmelo's a much better than Joe Gacy. Like I don't know. I don't know. The answer is I don't know. Well like yeah. when, but like when they when they are training like when Cornette was training that OVW crop, he was he did a deep dive on his podcast and they worked TV, but they worked like paid shows at like churches and stuff off of TV, like to really let them iron things out. And I don't, how do you, how are you going to train someone if they're struggling to get on TV on a weekly basis? And that's the only wrestling they get to do. I mean, look at, look at some of like their main roster guys, like that they've trained like Ridge Holland and Madcap Moss. They're not good mm. or well-trained. No. no. Who was it? Um, the the two women. It was uh, Lions and somebody else. Oh, Legend. Legend. Yes, they had a match where they got lost, and they it looked like they just started doing the running the ropes drill because yeah. they weren't sure what else to do. And it's like, okay, look, you're gonna suck at wrestling when you start. Very, very, very few people are good right out of the gate. And so you've got to have the freedom to, because a lot of it you've got to learn by screwing it up. You know, it's it's a, like, you're going to have nerves when you go out in front of people. I don't care how self-assured you are. This is something new. You go out there, you do that. you got to get used to it. Then you got to get used to thinking out there and listening to them. There's a process and a reason why it typically takes a while. But no, we just hired this person. They're athletic enough. Let's go ahead and just put them on TV now. It's like, well... How's that working for you? I feel like, though, I mean, I know a lot of their people aren't wrestling fans, but I feel like as a wrestling fan, if I forgot the spot, like running the ropes, then I would either I would either just drop on my belly. So then we have to do like the the leapfrog and all that. Like, you know, like I you feel do like the universal. Yeah, I feel like you go to a basic or. Or I just stop and like throw my shoulder out and they'll bump off of that and then okay good we we got out of that just just powder do a reset catch your breath walk around the ring for a second burn a little time think about what you're gonna do next and get back into it that's or, if you're the heel that's all you got to do is just bail out act like you're being smart walk for a second and think and then go okay 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 I know where we I I, I have an idea where we can go from here. Or, or, but like, and they don't do that in WWE. Like, they don't do that enough. But I feel like if I got really lost, I would just slap a headlock on or say to the guy, "Hey, put me in a headlock," and then be like, "Okay, like, what the fuck are we doing?" Yeah, uh, you may as well. Um, I mean, the crowd's kind of conditioned to expect a mid-match rest hold, so slap it on there and go, "Okay." This it's like the story from the triple threat match with Joe Daniels and. Uh, AJ Styles back in TNA and they're having this triple threat match and Daniel slaps a headlock on Styles and goes okay what happened and AJ's like okay I think you messed up and Daniel's like no I think you messed up I think you went into the finish too early and goes well what are we going to do he goes let's figure that out and meanwhile Joe's outside like, I know what I'm doing just get and they, they even those guys who had what is regarded as the best match in TNA history needed a minute to get a hold of it and be like, okay, this is not what we thought was going to happen. Let's figure this out real quick. And 
but they're not like you said they're not getting the opportunity to work in front of those small crowds where you're not as nervous because half the crowd didn't pay to come because they're friends of people who were there you know you can go out there and and suck without a bunch of consequences well, I think what? they overproduce too and over agents. So like, cause you see that with Charlotte Flair, like with the, um, with that table spot that she really screwed up is they don't, they don't create talent that knows how to improvise on the spot. Right. And react to things. They have to stick to the script, but, um, yeah, I, 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 I couldn't stand if, if I was still working, I could not stand to work there. I'd hate it. And even if I'd be concerned I wasn't good enough to hack it in AEW, that's still where I'd rather be. But why aren't they – the other thing I don't get, because New Japan does this a lot. Like they keep some – like they keep, you know, Tenzon around and Kojima. Like these guys that aren't – are too old to really like be main eventers anymore. But then mm-hmm. they have them work undercards and they'll have them work like – you know, like eight to ten minute matches with like a young lion that's worked maybe ten matches. Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like, someone learning would you could have them wrestle fifty matches with another rookie and they would get more out of a veteran walking them through a match for ten minutes and just you know, saying okay we're gonna do this because people are gonna do this like just like. One just of like, the putting them through their paces and showing them like how a match works. Like, I feel like, I feel like they would get more out of that. Like having one Mickey of James the, uh, around to give them like a six minute match, like two. Yeah. One of the best early on experiences I had was working in uh, some matches with John Noble. John Noble was kind of the, the local pro guy who, this was in the era, um, especially the early 2000s where WWE was hung up on the, well, it's like, well, you don't work like a cruiserweight, but you're too big to look like one, but you're too small to be a heavyweight, so we can't use you. But, you know, John Noble was just really, really good. And so getting to work with him, and then after the match, I'm like, all right, talk to me. What is this? And he goes, okay, I really like you doing these things. Um, I like you doing this stuff. Here's what I want you to work on. And I could say to him, okay, I understand you want me to work on that. Please tell me why so that it's more than just do this. It's I want to understand the why. And he'd say, okay, here's the thing. And he was – like John Noble was was fantastic about it. So to have – to be able to do that with some – you know, you go around whatever whatever loop you're doing and, you know, you get – you get beat pillar to post by, I don't know, take your pick, whoever's on their roster that's been around for a long time. But the guy says to you, okay, this is good stuff here, but you need these things. Uh, Foley's book said that, I can't remember what territory he was in, but he worked a program with Rotten Ron Starr, and that's how he learned to brawl, and that became one of his hallmarks. But it's because they matched him up with this veteran who said, okay, this is this is what we're going to do, and I'm going to teach you how to do it. But, you know, what does WWE do with their, their veteran guys? They either bring them out and have them sit around for, for a Legends pop, or say, like, well, no, you were, you were a top guy. You're still going to do top guy stuff and the, until you can't anymore. 
It's like, well, then, um, you know, who's who's teaching them? Because they they have people who are good trainers, but that's not the same thing, you know. Well, they have a problem of they're like three generations into the previous generation not putting over the new guys. That's also true. Like, that's why I think they people have gotten successively less over, because, like, Austin and Taker's generation didn't put anyone over, and then the next generation didn't put anyone over, and then, like, the Cena, Punk, Danielson guys really didn't either, and now we're stuck with nothing. Mm-hmm. So to bring this back, that's why we don't think a... Uh... MJF would be good in WWE. And he, yeah. he would he he legitimately would not be good in like a PG environment either. No, no, he, he can't draw the kind of. It's not a crutch. It's his wheelhouse, and he can't draw that sort of heat in that environment. He needs he needs some of that. Like, what's he gonna say next to him? And, and you're yeah. not gonna get that in WWE. And some edge. He needs some edge. Because that's where he thrives. And 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 honestly, like he is not the right kind of in ring guy that they like or works well with their people either. I don't think. I don't think so. But we we got too old school. He's not flashy enough, and he really doesn't like do the spotty spot spot brawly stuff that they. I am convinced that he is able to, but he doesn't because it doesn't fit. He has a great grasp of his character, but he just doesn't do that stuff because it's not. No, but that won't work in WWE. Like, you can't wrestle like your character in WWE because that's not what they do. So, supposedly, as of, I don't know, maybe about an hour ago from last time I checked, which was right before we went live. Uh, MJF had flown to L.A., where I think upcoming AEW shows is from. So maybe they are going to sit down and get all this hashed out. I hope so. Uh, I'd really like for this to get worked out uh, properly. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he should be on TV for a while. Uh, just to sell the whole Wardlow beating. Oh, my God. He, t- he got powerbombed so much. He got powerbombed. This is like great. He got powerbombed five times, and then and like Wardlow made it seem like he was gonna, you know, pin him. And then when the ref started like to count, like he said, he took his foot off, so he he intentionally broke up the pin and then powerbombed him five more times. Yes. He just brutalized him. I so I didn't watch the pay-per-view full disclosure, but you know, I saw a lot of uh, clips and everything and saw a lot of discussion online. Would you argue that Wardlow is more over than he was before slash like is one of the biggest stars in the company? Because there are a lot of people who are spouting that chatter and I'm not saying that they're wrong. Um, is... A... Go ahead, man. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. He is amazingly over. Yeah. I don't know where that fits because Wardlow has kind of been – this isn't the right term, but it's what I'm going to – he's kind of been sequestered in whatever it is. 
MJF is doing, which has very little crossover with most of the rest of the roster. And he has, there's some trouble with, he usually like gets a big pop for like the powerbomb symphony, but some of his matches can be a little, not and I don't, reactions. I don't know if that was because for a long time, his matches were either obvious squashes or enforcer work for MJF or something. Now that he's had this big turn and gotten his big payoff, it might be different, but we're just going to have to see. He got a huge reaction. I can say that much. I have, and to, I, I have to say, though, he has probably the greatest wrestling meme of all time, which is the um, with the strap. It's like the Chad Wardlow versus the Virgin Cody. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> that segment was hilarious. Like when they like just smacked him and he just laughs and MJF loses his shit because he's not <laughs> reacting. Yeah. Yeah, and that's not how this is supposed to work. They have overall booked him. They took just a lot of pages from the WWE and how they initially got uh, Batista over. Right. Like, he seems, he's like a modern-day Batista, and I don't, that you could take that in a bad way. I'm, I'm not. Like, Batista was, like, an over, like, his star. Like, he's a star. Mm-hmm. Um, so they seem to be going that route with him. I don't know where you're going to go with him now because... Uh, I, I imagine that at least for a little bit the MJF feud is going to be done. Yeah. Uh, so then it's like, who do you who do you pair him against? Because Scorpio. Right. You going to put him right immediately to. Uh... No. You 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 meander him around. Maybe have um. Have him beat up on Sean Spears again. Then you move him on to something else, and then when All Out comes around, you do the TNT match there and put the belt on him because he has to avenge that loss. Right. Yeah. I could you, see it being built as a, he's got to get through some other America's top team members to get to Scorpio, or you which could, I'm fine with. Or you could have him do like the Andrade office to like have him beat up on some of those guys. Based upon what happened on this pay-per-view, like the Andrade office might just be done. Yeah, they like, really. I don't know what they did. That that really just. It, it look it, when it was uh, Matt Hardy office and then Andrade office, like it just it kind of ran its course. Like it's not. It wasn't really over. It was just kind of an excuse to have a bunch of guys on TV. Yeah, uh, and I think that that's fine because I think I think a lot of the guys that were in it are guys that they should kind of invest in. Like Butcher and Blade, I like a private party. I like like it, I'm fine with having these guys on tv regularly but it just wasn't getting one over and i think i do think that there's like there's money uh in having andrade and and spoiler in roosh uh as a tag team or as a like a faction right like, i like that um but i you know what i kind of like your idea now of war though aiming for the tnt title you could probably because all outs which is what september like that's that three, gives them the summer yeah, it's like three months roughly. Uh, so like you have some time, but I'm sure you could figure out a way to to kind of meander him, like you said, a little bit, and kind of build that whole like Wardlow versus America's top team thing. Mm-hmm. Just so. take your time with it. You can have it. It doesn't have to be Wardlow whoops somebody every week. You can do some promo stuff with Dan Lambert and. 
you know, talk some trash and that sort of stuff and kind of make your way to it. And in the meantime, if you want to keep Wardlow's aura going, heck, I don't know, have him beat up Sammy, I guess. Yeah, might as well. Well, he can't um, lose. That's the thing. He can't lose for yeah. a while now. No, he can't lose for a while now. Um, and if he's going for America's top team and what well, you said about three months, we get a month and a half in and he's like, all right, now I'm going to get my shot. And they just they just interfere and screw the whole thing up. If he takes a loss that way, then no one's going to hold it against him. There you go, that, though, with, with MJF. They tried. And he, you know, beat the crap out of all of them. Um, but you can make your way there. And I'm, I'm reasonably certain you could be fine and, like you said, get to all out and do it then. Um, but yeah, that opening segment was huge. That was, it was, honestly, it was really good. The, uh, just some other stuff, a note that I'll, I'll go through real quick. So I'm thinking I'm the only one so far who's watched the whole thing. No, I, I, I honestly, I'm glad I didn't spend the money on it. It seemed kind of like an underwhelming show. I didn't like a lot of the booking choices they made on the show, but it hasn't been talked about on the show, but I've been saying that. I feel like this has been AEW's best in-ring year so far and their worst booked year by far. Yeah, there was a lot there's a lot of booking decisions on this pay-per-view that I did not care for yeah. at all. Um I can yeah, I can run down some of the just for quick. I'll I'll run down the card real quick and I'll stop on those things. Um Hookhausen defeated Tony Nese and Mark Sterling in a what was honestly very fun, you know, it, it was, it was exactly what you expected to be, but it was fun. Um, that was pre-show. Then it was uh, Wardlow over MJF, exactly like you'd expect. Can I pause really quickly? Yes, Some sir. people are hating on the the Hookhausen tag team, uh, and I understand like you you're you're you want to build up Hook or build Hook as like this very serious uh, talent. But it's like how many how many matches has this kid had under his belt? He has nine like, now. I think he did one one indie match. I don't know if he's done any more than that. And then it's whatever like he's had on an AEW. And I understand like he's not just this, the extent of his actual wrestling has not been just like the matches he's had per se. He's been training, but it's like that kid needs like he just needs matches and and basically he needs reps. He needs repetitions. He needs to go out yeah. there and everything. And I think it is actually perfectly fine to have him do that by having him in like a tag team with Danhausen. Well, and people um, don't understand. Like, yes, he's a serious character, but sometimes you can you can sell the seriousness of a character by having him straight man a comedy character. Yes. Yes. And and look, if you don't like the gimmick, that's fine. But Dan Housen has been around like 10 years in real life. Like he's been, he's, he's a wrestler. He's before the, he developed the character, like he was out there wrestling and he still kind of wrestles. He's, he's, he can, he can actually kind of like lead hook around, like teach him some stuff. It's not as if he not, he can't teach him some stuff. And, and I think it's perfectly fine to have like this, essentially a comedy tag team. Where, like you said, like Cook is like the straight man, and and Danhausen is like the comedy character, and they go out there, and Hook can just be like kicking ass, and then Danhausen can do some of his like shtick. I think that's fine. 
Like, well, the I other think. nice thing, you're right, Matt, but the other nice thing about pairing him with Danhausen is if things kind of get off the rails, Danhausen can go do something weird and buy them time to put it back together. Yes. That's that's the thing is, yes, Danhausen is wacky and goofy and that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. but that wacky, goofy stuff gives them space to breathe. Mm-hmm. I had this idea for a gimmick that if um, I had been able to get back in at some point – and it, it was basically a dancing man gimmick. But the idea was we could do this whole thing at some point up down, and I have a manager scream for someone to hit the music. You start hitting some music, that brings me to life, brings me back up. I could do that at any point to you know, get the match going again from whatever kind of screw-up we might have. Even if whoever I'm working gets completely lost, we do this one thing. I'm like, just do this big flying lariat, lay me out. And then we're going to do the, the, the dumb thing. And in the middle of doing the dumb thing that people seem to enjoy, that gives you enough grace. It's like, well, what happened there? It's like, oh, you know, here comes Danhausen. I'm happy to see you know them do the silly stuff. Great. Fantastic. I, I don't – people that are hating on Hookhausen, um, I, either they're just looking for something to complain about or they hate fun, I guess. I'm not sure. <laughs> there are some people out there like they just want serious and i can understand that but it's like it, sometimes a fun comedy gimmick or character is fine like you don't need everything to be like just dour and serious yeah. all the time like That's, you need that those little bits of levity mcu versus dc movies for the most part yeah there you go there's 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 a contrast mm-hmm. um like we said, Wardlow defeated MJF by just an absolute ass whooping. The Hardys versus the Young Bucks. I'll admit I was surprised at the outcome of this, mm. that the Hardys went over. I don't particularly mind that they went over because, frankly, the Bucks are good enough that their heat's almost bulletproof. They'll come back from it fine yeah and i think you can you can possibly build towards excuse me you can build towards like the young bucks trying to uh kind of avenge their loss yeah uh you could maybe even try and do some stuff between the hardys and uh i guess the undisputed elites i was fine i, I thought i it's not the booking choice i would have made but i think it's fine it's inoffensive and, yeah and and Based upon everything I'm hearing, it's like you might need to try and get as much as you can out of Jeff Hardy while you yeah. can. Because that Jeff, match with Darby beat him up pretty bad. Yeah, it's it's they're just kind of like reformed and they're trying to do something with the Hardys, and maybe they're going to build towards like a, a tag title match between the Hardys and, and whoever's the champion. But I I do think that they should probably they Tony should probably give jeff like a bit of a break not that he's not going to come back but it would give him like at least a couple months two three months to like heal yeah and just rest up sure and well and if you do it this way and then they do go out for a little while then they they come back strong i guess and the bucks can recover and it's fine like of, of all the booking decisions you could make this one doesn't bother me yeah um jade cargill over anna jay which to be honest, is expected. Mm-hmm. The, there's two things in this that 
I don't know that they surprised me, but number one, they didn't gel quite right. Anna Jay and Jay Cargill didn't exactly gel, which yeah. doesn't surprise me because they're both still pretty young in their careers. But what did surprise Anna Jay's offense, some of her kicks looked slow, but her offense was compelling enough that I felt drawn in. And do I was feel, like, wow, she might actually do this. Do you feel like she has improved? Yes, I do feel like she's improved. Okay, I mean, well, you would hope that she is, but I mean, it, it's it's kind of tough. There's it's one thing uh, on Twitter that I've, I've kind of tried to get more involved with is Joshi Twitter, talking mm-hmm. about you know the Japanese women's uh, wrestling federations and fans of those, like Joshi. Yeah. Uh, and there's been a lot of chatter from some people that are kind of more were known in the Joshi wrestling community, at least Twitter, Twitterverse, I guess. Yeah. Uh, they've been arguing like, why aren't some of the women in, in AEW? And they're specifically talking about like the, the more like the less experienced talent, the younger talent like Anna J uh, and Velvet. some other. Yeah. Red Velvet. Uh, Red Velvet has actually Im- uh, improved a ton, but yes, there's been suggestion that, you know, why hasn't Anna J, why isn't Red Velvet? Why isn't some of these other workers? Like, why aren't they like doing, um, any matches or why if there's this working agreement between s- s- the Joshi feds and AEW, at least TJ to Tokyo Joshi pro, why aren't uh, some of the AEW women going on like an excursion for a couple months or something over to the, the Joshi feds to improve. And I think Ray I Velvet kinda... would get a lot out of that with how good she's been like the last yeah. year. I think that would really, I think it's a fair criticism because I think if Anna J and red velvet, we're doing more matches on like the indie scene or have those excursions. I think they would be like much, much improved, but I do think, I do think they are improving. Yeah. Uh, I, I think Anna's getting better. I think it part of it is just concern about building, you know, building her body up so that it's doesn't get easily injured again. Yeah. She's not, uh, she look, she's very like strikingly beautiful. She's a very beautiful young woman, but she's mm-hmm. already had like a bad shoulder injury. I think she's had two shoulder injuries. Okay. And she's, um, she's like a, I won't say she's petite, but she's not like a powerhouse. She's right. not, she's, um, let's say slim would be like, she doesn't have like, um, she doesn't have like a wrestler body. Yeah. She's built at 143. Which no, I don't even know if no, that's no. like an accurate weight. Like she does, she seems much less than that. Well, depending on how less. tall she is, I guess. She's a, she built at five and a half, which is like that's about average height, yeah, I would think. For I don't but, think she's no, I, built that she looks like she's kind of long limbed, um, and that sort of, and that's not bad, but that doesn't give you the impression of size and mass. Yeah, I, I do think she's improving. Um, and she, God, she's young. She's she's like twenty four. She's twenty three, going to turn twenty four in July. So if she could stay healthy and everything, like she can have like a good a good run, like years. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I, I want to throw out there, like, is technically is Jade still like a heel? Yeah, she's kind of tweening. Yeah, I say kind of cool say, healing, which I don't love, but. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like she's she's kind of a heel because she's very like braggadocious. 
about her abilities. Yeah. But the fact that she got like in the the post pay per view scrum, like the fact that she got her own segment where she's talking about like her match and other stuff, and everything with like the the quote unquote the baddies. Yeah. Uh, it's. I really do feel like she is edging more into being like a face. No, she has been since. Um... The baddies are over. Like I would even say, like the baddies are like a heel act. I guess they could be, but they're like over with people. And one thing that was proposed, and she kind of she kind of like threw a little bit of water on politely at the the post hearing opposed to a pay-per-view thing was that some people have been claiming for like sunny kiss to become part of the baddies uh, because they took like some photos with him or them i don't know i think i can't remember if sunny kiss is goes by non-binary or not but i think i think he's a he well yes he's biologically he's like he i don't know no i think he goes i think he goes by a he i haven't said i haven't seen anything otherwise i could be wrong though that could have changed recently but i think he's just i think he's politely been like you can call me like whatever you want to but i don't know if he's like goes but well if sunny goes by non-binary or what have you but i I do think that would be actually like oh i guess looking it up he's gender fluid well he identifies with both male and female pronouns so it's like okay i think you can use either one um I actually think that that would be like really cool to include him uh, in the body in the baddies. Like he would. I I I've I've been a fan of Sunny Kiss. I think Sunny Kiss is really talented and charismatic. Like I think they should be doing more with Sunny Kiss. Maybe like they'll use him in Ring of Honor, but I don't know. It's kind of compelling to me. Right. He occupies a weird space. I like him, but I also get why he's not much more than a mid card act. Like I get it. He because he. He needs a little bit of, like, seasoning, I think, to get higher up in the card. And, like, he just doesn't fit necessarily well in those upper echelons. Mm-hmm. But, um, I don't know. I think I think Jade as a face has been in kind of an eventuality now that she's a little better in the ring. Because um, her style fits better that way. And yeah. um, the other reason, I think, is because, like... For what she needs to work on in her entering game, like she knows how to be a star, like above right. anything else, and that is a quality a lot of people don't have. Right. She's got the presentation down in a big yeah, way. Yeah, she has that like quality that like Punk and Danielson and like Omega have, where they just are a star by existing. Right. So the uh, after that one, it went into House of Black versus Death Triangle. Which was a banger match. Like these guys know how to rotate through. They know how to trade off. They did a great job, and we got Angle payoff because now oh, yeah. Julia Hart is a member of the House of Black. You mean they finally had her turn after like three months? Yes. Yeah. Oh they my did god! It. Like could I, that I, that angle could not have ended quick enough. Yeah, they kind of did it a little too late, but. Like it wasn't I, I kind of it was kind of interesting at first, but then like it it was May and it's like they've been doing this for months. Could you just do something with her? Yeah. Maybe they maybe they had intended to do it sooner, um, but I think like you know like Fuego del Sol was supposed to be kind of part of this, and that kind of got dropped because he's had like some some health issues. So I don't know. 
Um, well, I wanted when they kind of they kind of teased it, and then I guess he had his health issues, but they were kind of teasing like Fuego and the Dark Order, which I think would be a really good place to put him. Yeah, yeah, but Dark Order feels kind of like they're they're, they're kind of falling apart. They're, they're in a holding they, pattern right now. Well, they kind of feel like they're done. I mean, they're only I think they're only really together. So ten has something to do. Well. And Anna Jay came out, and she didn't. She wasn't really dressed like. She was more dressed like when she initially joined the company. Than no, like she hasn't she been. Like, she hasn't done anything with the Dark Order in, in yeah, in months. She was doing a uh, a Vegas style like pinstripe deal for her gear. I don't know. It's like the it came up in the match. John Silver showed up and and neutralized some some interference. Uh, on Cargill's part and that sort of stuff. So I don't know. It might just be that Dark Order's in a holding pattern until they use it to spring into well, something they, else. They kind of they they're having a lot of problems with their angle payoffs though because they've been they were doing all that stuff earlier this year with like the mask with Ten and I thought he was gonna finally take it off, but they kind of that just kind of stalled out. Like they've had some real issues with. Yeah. Well, that was to transition him to the new one that he likes more that's easier to breathe in. No, but I thought they did that last year. The funny thing is, like, we had Cody's show, and he was on Cody's show, his reality show. Uh Uh-huh. And he has done stuff, like, on that show and in, like, the blogs, uh, video blogs that, like, Ethan Page does where he doesn't have his mask on. And it's like everyone everyone has seen his face now. Well, they call him by his real name now. Yeah, and he's not even like I, I'll put it blankly like he's a good-looking kid. Like you he could easily be pushed under his real name without a mask and you know, it would work. Now I understand like the gimmick they have going on is that he doesn't want to take off the mask because the mask was given to him by Brody, so it's like a Yeah, but uh, see, and, my problem hmm. this is this Julie Hart problem again though is they've been doing this since like February where it's been costing him matches. And it's like I I, under, I understand like long term angles and payoffs, but like you're four months into this angle and it kind of comes and goes, and it's just like, can you just move somewhere with it? Mm-hmm. Like I said, I think it's a holding pattern thing. They've got some stuff that they were gonna pay off, and so when they're ready to say, okay, now we're gonna do this stuff, they can just go with it. Yeah, but- I, I'll be curious to see what happens when they do. But the, someone that's in the weeds of their programming, though, like, I've already lost interest in it because they've mm-hmm. taken too long. So, uh, next match on the card, um, ugh, we get into the finals of the Owen. Adam Cole over Samoa Joe in a... this uh, Just visually, this doesn't look like it should have been a contest. That bothers me. Adam Cole over Joe, which means that then... Britt Baker went over Ruby Soho. And once, once they had, uh, once they even did the finals, where it was like Cole and Britt in the finals, respectively. Yeah. Uh, our friend, friend of the show, Justin, uh, a true Canadian. Yeah. As soon as I messaged him, I'm like, they're gonna have them both win, aren't they? Yeah. And lo and behold. I thought so as soon as that happened. Now, I, I, this is what okay. I say. Adam Cole needed to win something. So I understand. That's, that's true. I understand why he won the men's tournament. 
I have no fucking idea why Britt Baker won that tournament because she's coming off of a of a title run, and the thing is her act is tired. Like I'm tired. Like when I see Jamie Hader and Rebel like wandering down to ringside, she's like eye roll like oh fuck like there's gonna you know it's the same shit like i'm tired of her stupid ass finisher and like i enjoy i legitimately enjoyed her for a long time but it's just like you need to give her three to six months off so i can so you can miss her yeah this is gonna be a controversial statement with some people but there are many people and i mean many people on wrestling twitter who are beyond tired of Britt baker and it's more than just like her act is tired because I would agree. Like I think she needs a break. Uh, it's to the point where some people are making the argument, like a legit argument, that she has at least stagnated as a worker and possibly even regressed as a worker. And the regression thing, like I, I don't know if I fully agree with that, but I agree. Like she's kind of like stagnated. It's she's not putting on good matches. Like no. the the match that she had even to get to the finals with Tony Storm was like WWE level bad where it's like two people who just it's they're just not working. It's and her Maki, yeah. the Maki Ito match wasn't good either. No, and pe- the unfortunate thing is that people are hating on Maki uh Maki Ito for that. Um and unfortunately you have you know you have like people who have bones to pick. And they're making essentially like racist arguments, oh. like Jim, like Jim Cornette, we're blaming all of that on Maki Ito. And it's like I don't know if you have got, like not, not when I'm gonna say you, I don't understand like you, you two. I mean like right. wrestling fans, American wrestling fans. It's like if if you have not seen Maki Ito in the last like year, year and a half yeah. in Tokyo Joshi Pro, like. She is night and day from even when, like a year ago when she no. was making appearances in AEW. Her work rate, her ring work has like improved dramatically. And she just – this weekend she was in America uh, working a couple shows for like Prestige Wrestling. And that was like a legend, like a really good matches. It was well-received. Her The thing with her is she is a good worker. But what people don't understand and what they need to realize is – you can be a good worker, but you can also be not good enough to salvage a bad match. And, mm-hmm. like, Maki Ito needs her opponent to be, I think, to, to do some of the layout of the match. But she also needs her opponent to be able to hold up their end of the match really well. Because, like, mm-hmm. she's good enough she can hold up her end. But that match, yeah. the, but the thing is, like, they were in AEW, so Britt Baker was calling that match. Um, there was no problem with Makito's execution of the match. Like it was just mm-hmm. poorly planned. It was too long. Like I don't even necessarily know if I'd entirely blame Britt either because they gave them too much time. But I would put that mm-hmm. match more on when when you are guesting in a in a promotion. Like I put the blame on the homegrown worker if the match really sucks mm-hmm. because it's up it... to the home worker to make it work within the bounds of how that promotion is expected to act. So if, if that same match happened in Tokyo, it would probably be Maki's fault. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, I am in – Brad, just like you said, Adam Cole needed to win something. I think Ruby should have won for the same reason because yeah. ever since Ruby's shown up, she has choked on everything 
important, and she needed this. But I so, think I think putting Brit over Tony Storm was also dumb because I think I, if I had Tony Storm on my roster, like I would be putting the rocket on her ass, mm-hmm. like straight to the top. Yeah, it's yeah. it's just uh, it it but it bugs me because. They have, you know, Ruby has been presented as a big deal. They wanted to do stuff with her, but if you keep doing this, it's going to kill her. And when well, she's not really a factor on TV that much, though, like she's dark and elevation fodder a lot of times. I mean, she wins on those programs all the time, but like she's there's been months and months where she's not been on like Rampage right. or Dynamite. Yeah. So I I agree. Um, in both respects, I, I didn't really, I, I've become, I was, a, I was willing to give Adam Cole, like, you know, the benefit of the doubt when he first signed with the company. Cause it's like, he was, in my opinion, he was clearly being abused in the WWE. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he signed with AEW and then it's like, they've been just, they've had him on TV like every week. Like mm-hmm. he's on one of the shows. And I think it's, to me, it's like, I was never like a huge Adam Cole fan so it's a little too much for me but i agree like he needed to win something mm-hmm. um i find it i find it all like blasphemous i was telling a friend of the show justin it's blasphemous to me that you have uh, uh sean michaels super fanboy adam cole winning the owen hart foundation tournament i know yeah. but but if you if you really think about adam cole's AEW career though he's he's essentially lost every feud he's been in and that's he, true i no, i mean i mean it makes sense for him to win it. i'm just saying generally it's yeah. like i would not i would not have had a Shawn michaels fanboy win the win this even, but yeah. even like the um the jurassic express feud like jungle boy won the last match mm-hmm. yeah that's something that's a point i wanted to make because you're like ruby so soho should have won um and i thought she was going to when you have her like you have rancid rancid her. yeah yeah, I thought you were going to, and I, I totally am on the same wavelength with you guys. Like, I think you need to give her like that big win, and you haven't yet. And it's like I don't know what you're gonna do because you're probably not gonna have Jade drop that title anytime soon. No. And Thunder Rosa just got it not that long ago. Like, so what are you gonna do with Ruby? Like, Ruby needs a big win. And if there is a criticism, it's like a blessing and a curse. Like, generally, I feel like this is a good idea that Tony does this, but in some cases, like with Ruby Soho, it hasn't really been that great um i i do like that tk that tony is like pushing homegrown talent because if you think about it like for the most part you know guys have signed and like you might put them in a feud or you may have like a big match with them and by and large like they've lost and he's trying to get the point across it's like i'm gonna favor like aew originals or guys who are more quote-unquote homegrown aew talent yeah. Over just a guy that I just signed like a couple months ago from from WWE because WWE released them, and I think right. that generally that makes sense. But I think in, in some instances like this one, like Ruby, it's like you can put Ruby over. Like she yeah. she needs it more than most. I understand if it's like I would agree. I was I was trying with the racket of Tony Storm, but if you want to make the you want to make the argument, it's like well no, Tony should not go to the finals and get the win over Britt. Because she uh, just signed. Yes, because just signed. It's like, okay, like I can understand the logic there. And maybe I would even like agree in some respects. But there are people there that it's like, you need to do something with them. 
mm-hmm. like, and it, or else people are going to stop caring. And yeah. Ruby is one of them because, as you saw on the show, like you had the debut of Athena, the ex Ember Moon, and it's like, okay, you, you just brought in a new talent, and a lot of people are expecting on Dynamite tomorrow, especially because Adam Cole and Britt Baker won their tournament finals. A lot of people are expecting that they're bringing in tomorrow Johnny Gargano and, and um, Candice LeRae. Mm. That that's that's like the feud that's going to be, and it's like I. That was like, terrible in NXT. Like that I, really. I I don't think that that's smart for a number of reasons. What was bad in NXT? That's that's the a number one. Their matches were bad in NXT, and drove off a, a lot theory. of their fans. But. Also, Johnny yeah, Gargano, yeah. people don't like him anymore because they ruined him in NXT. Like, I'm not totally anti-Johnny Gargano, but if I was Tony Khan, I'd be like, look, dude, like, they really ruined you in NXT? Like, go over to Impact for a year and prove. What? Prove yourself. I, w- I, I like Gargano. I like Gargano. I like Candice. I understand, like, it's just rumors that they're going to come in and... and feud and i think logically i I can see it but i i would agree like i think that there should be like there needs to be a cooling off period between like johnny and and candace like i do think that johnny could debut and because he's a good worker like he could easily get people back but i kind of i i don't want to see that again i don't (sighs) tony isn't going to do this but it's like i got burnt out by like 45 minute cold gargano matches oh god yeah like yeah five thousand near finishes that that cage match where i swear to god i've seen more super kicks than like an entire year of young buck smash look I, I i made that comment and i say that fully saying like the nxt in new york where it was cole versus gargano which is like went like 45 minutes like was that two two out of three falls that's maybe that's probably one of the top five matches, best matches I have ever seen live. I think it was a fantastic time, match. I'd have to go back and check the tape because we we reviewed that on the show. I think no, that might have been mm-hmm. slightly pre-show, but I I think I said at the time that was only tolerable to see Johnny Gargano get his moment finally. Mm-hmm. I am not. I don't think that'll happen for the simple reason of why are they keeping Adam Cole strong? They're keeping Adam Cole strong because. When Kenny Omega comes back, we're going to have the split where it's the elite versus the undisputed. And then you're going to have that feud. Well, and what's the crux of it going to be? Because when Cole came in, it was like, well, Kenny didn't get it done. It's like, what are you talking about? Or Kenny's not here now. I'm going to get it done. And he's not. So they've got to keep him somewhat relevant to do that. They're just waiting on that shoe to drop. It's like, that's great and everything. But, uh, you know, maybe just don't have him around quite as much. So I don't yeah. think that there's going to be a a Adam Cole Britt Baker feud going on. I think there's gonna, there there will be something else. But uh, man, th- these were not Cole needed it. Britt didn't. But as soon as I saw the matching gear, I had held that hope until I saw that, and I was like, never mind. Yeah, I th- I will say this. I do like that the Owen Hart Foundation, uh, those like little championship belts that they gave the winners. Mm-hmm. This was a really cool touch. I don't know if you saw this online, but um, they they're pink, obviously for Hart Foundation. But uh, I loved that they were basically in the style of the old Stampede title. 
Oh, yeah. That was really cool to me. Yep. Although, I will say this. Like, I don't know if you you guys watched, like, the post. It, it's not any footage from, like, the post-pay-per-view media thing. I didn't uh, really hunt it up. CM Punk was wearing a T-shirt. <laughs> it was, like, a white T-shirt, I think, with, like, pink coloring. And it was him and Dax uh, and Cash Wheeler. And I forget exactly what the T-shirt said, but it was basically, like, like the Bret Hart super fans. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> and I told I told Justin it's like I will buy this shirt if they put it out for sale, and I totally would. So I'm gonna keep us moving just a touch. The next thing that came out was American Top Team versus uh, Kazarian, Guevara, and Conti. Okay, first of all, the right folks went over here because now Kazarian or Guevara can't challenge for the NXT Championship as long as Sky is champion. Also, there was good character work in here because Guevara and Ty Conti were insufferable. And Kazarian called him out and yelled at him about it and slapped him around for it and that sort of stuff. Like, there's one baby face in the entire match, and he did exactly what he should have done the entire time. But then, you know what? That program's over, and we don't have to worry about it anymore. We're free. Yeah, but it's like Sammy – they've never really like, turned Sammy heel. Like, they've done oh. – the- He's been healing the matches, like even back to the ladder match with Scorpio. Like they, um, they've been smart to go with it because he does things within the match while not necessarily playing a heel that makes you want to see him get his comeuppance, and then they give him his comeuppance. Like it's actually been smart in a way, the way they Let did me, it in that match. Trust me, he was an obnoxious little shit in this, and it it worked. He's better as a heel, honestly. He, I, I don't like him as a face. It just doesn't work. There, there are some people. The guy that got me in the business is a super nice guy, you know, shirt off your back, that sort of stuff. But in the ring, you could not make him a face with all the babies and puppies in the world. He just, he just had an aura that made people hate his guts, and that's kind of how I feel about. Uh, no, and Sammy's better as like a little fuck boy, like California fuck boy. <laughs> Like, yeah. he just works better in that that regard. Um, next match was Kyle Riley versus Darby Allen. Why the fuck did Darby Allen job here? I don't know. That's what bugs me. I have no idea why. I would not have done this. I don't get it. And why did he job to Jeff Hardy? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it it I, might I, just be like, you know, we've been pushing you really hard. We got to pay back a little bit, but I, no, you don't, I'm not you don't, seeing it. You don't fucking do that with No, that level. cools him. No, Darby, Darby really should, you should be pushing him more towards, like, I, the main I, event. I kind of thought they jobbed him to Jeff so that he didn't have to job, they didn't have to use the the match with Cole, but it's like, you should have booked your, your tournament better then. Yeah. But I, um, it's just like, I, this is like where I like the Darby Allen thing is where I think the bookings really suffered this year. Like he, there's someone that needs to say like, look, he's jobbed here, here, and here lately. Like you need to not do that. Yeah. Um, the next match was Thunder Rosa versus Serena Deeb. Uh, the the crowd was tired right now. They were in kind of a lull, which is a damn shame because this was an excellent match. Um, Rosa and Dee put on a fantastic match. I heard it was great. I think Serena's been like the best female worker since um, 
in AEW because like she's probably got the two of the best three matches in the company. Mm. It was it was really good. Cause was it, actually it was a year ago she had that really great one with Rio on the pre-show. Yeah, she's a fantastic worker. Um, I don't know if you had a chance to see like the promo she did like the week before where she was kind of hyping up the match, and it was not well received. Like people hated on it, and I think it's because like her delivery is a little too stiff. Mm. But the stuff that she was saying was like if you actually paid attention to what she was saying, it's like holy shit this promo is like it really amazing and intense because she's like i had i put like breast implants in my body just to appease like dirty old men in wd she didn't name drop WWE, yeah but that's exactly what she was talking about and it's like it was like a really intense like personal like, like shaved my head to prove how much i wanted it yeah and it's like for them to fire her and it's like that it was it was really intense, and people all it, people were talking about it. It's like, oh, this promo sucked. It's like, okay, like her delivery isn't the best, but Still. it was it's intense, and like her work is fantastic. Like she's yes. she's a phenomenal worker. Like she deserves to be. I mean, we talked earlier about Tony Storm and other people. Like she deserves to be like among the tops in the division. Yeah, and and she did a great. They both did a great job. Yeah. So if you haven't seen it, this one's definitely worth checking out. The next one was a fantastically fun match to watch that I did not agree with the finish on. But Jericho Appreciation Society versus Blackpool Combat Club, Proud and Powerful, and Eddie Kingston. Anarchy in the Arena match. This was amazing to watch because it's exactly what I wanted out of This was, when they say Anarchy in the Arena, they mean it. And it was really good. Um, when the Blackpool, Kingston, and Proud and Powerful came out, I di- I found out about this later, and it's great. But Jericho had the idea. It's like, let's just keep Moxley's music looping, and then like halfway through the match, I'll find the soundboard and break it and cut it off for heat. Them, it, it was like a New Jack-esque thing with Wild Thing playing while these guys are just going to town on each other, and it was great. I loved it. And the, I guess the story is going to be that Eddie cost them the match but with his thirst for vengeance. Because in the pre-show, Eddie cut this promo that was amazing. Like, I I have thought about that promo in the days since and just thought how good it was. Where he's, he says, Jericho, you know, he's got a, it's blurred out, but it's a bottle of Jack Daniels next to him. He goes, I'm falling back into things, trying to drown my demons, Jericho. Do you know why? It's because I'm scared. I'm scared of what I'm going to do to you. And if I become the person that's going to do to you what I'm afraid I'm going to do to you, I don't know if I can come back from it. And the last line is, yeah, I'm trying to drown my demons. And he he says, but my demons can swim. And he slaps the bottle off the table. And I'm just like, oh, my God, that was so good. But That one he did where, like, he, he – um... Where Jericho said something about Killy, he's like, no, like, I'm on the streets, and that has a specific meaning, and, like, Jericho is just slinking further into the chair as Eddie was getting into his face, was, like, He's just leaning further and further back. Yeah, all time, like, like, great promos, because he's like, no, if you say you're going to kill someone, like, we're going to do this, like, that has a specific meaning. Oh, man, have you gotten that far, Matt? Have you seen that promo? Uh, no, I've not. That oh, one in my veins. Yeah, that one in is my like... veins. Eddie is is got to be in the top five, maybe the top promos of any wrestling company anywhere in the world. Like he is fantastic. I want Eddie Kingston to have a world title run. I want that so bad for him because I I swear he deserves it. 
he deserves it and, and it doesn't even have to be like you know a month like several month long reign you can literally have him like win the title and then lose it like a month or two later you can even have him lose it the next day just to give him the the rub yeah but he yeah. would have he would have done it and he would have earned it here's the thing the and the, the downfall for the finish of Jericho Appreciation Society winning was um, Danielson's got Jericho locked up in the LaBelle lock. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you the camera pans, and down the ramp comes Eddie Kingston, looking like a villain from a slasher movie with a gas can in his hand. Yeah. And then he walks down to the ring, and everyone's like, because he said to Jericho, I'm going to burn you real bad, and I'm going to put you in the ground. Walks down there, takes the takes the nozzle off of it, and sloshes it all over Jericho and Danielson. Danielson's freaking out, like, what the hell are you doing? He pulls a lighter out, and Daniel, Danielson slaps it out of his hand, and they start fighting. But, because it seems to me they're going to break off and have Kingston and maybe Proud and Powerful versus Blackpool Combat Club. That's going to be fun. But he's got so much hatred for Jericho, and he barely touched Jericho the whole match. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, don't do that to me. you got to give me the payoff for this. And that's why I did – I was talking uh, – Was I was either talking to Brad or Justin. I can't remember who. Like the, the looks that Kingston and Blackpool Combat gave into the camera in the pre-match hype thing. Mm-hmm. I was like, there is no way in hell they should lose this. Like those, uh, it might have been Justin. Justin looked at it and said, "Those are three people that I would fully believe have killed someone at some point in the past." <laughs> like, and and real, William Regal too. Like you've got Danielson and Moxley staring in the camera, and then it pans down and Regal lifts his head and glares into it, and you've got Kingston giving it. It's like they might have hidden a body somewhere after they killed them. And oh, I, I'm a huge fan of. Blackpool Combat Club. Yeah, and you've got this, and uh, and I'm just like, oh god, I hate that the Jericho Appreciation Society won this. But well, I, I guess I, their concern is if if the society loses, then they fall apart already. But I yeah. don't know, man. I'm not there for it. I think this is going to at least in the short term continue on because I guess uh, Moxley versus uh, versus Daniel Garcia is set for uh, Wednesday Dynamite. Okay, so I think that they're gonna continue with the. Le- did you? I didn't see it, but I saw some clips of this match. This match is very well received. Some people like oh, most people absolutely loved it. This is the kind of brawl that, like, the Attitude Era wants everyone to think it had. Yeah, but is it, it like that? Um, that clusterfuck SMW match we watched, the Bluegrass brawl. It's it's bigger than that. Mm-hmm. And here's the other thing, Brad. It it even. The um, Jim Ross even drops a Tupelo concession stand brawl reference in it. Nice. Because wow. at one point they like they go up the steps and out into the causeway. And did Jerry think, scream that he had a ticket? <laughs> no, he didn't scream he had a ticket. But Moxley grabbed one. You know, one of the big swivel arm can cameras. Moxley grabbed that and started just winging it into Jericho's head, like. It is such a spectacle. It's not a wrestling match. It's a spectacle, but it is amazing to behold. I gotta, I, I can't recommend it enough. There was one a clip that kind of got passed around on Facebook, which uh, was absolutely amazing. It was at one point like uh, 
Danielson at that point he has like blood on his stuff on him, mm-hmm. and he's he's not he just he's not even mic'd up. He's just like shouting. I think like he's in the crowd. He's like, and now I'm gonna kick his effing head off. And it's he's the cliff on it was like this is like the best version of Danielson mm. possible. And it's like it it does. He seems like he's having so much fun, and he comes off as such like a, a badass. So vicious. That was in the ring. Um. Oh, it was in but, the ring, okay. Yeah, it was in the ring. He does that, and then he and Mox grab their guys, and they point at each other and start doing the hammer and anvil elbows on them, mm-hmm. just unloading. Oh, God. Okay. I, I can't really say any more without saying one of ours. Just go find this match. It is mm-hmm. it is so much worth your time. It's t- almost 23 minutes, and it flies by. Um, next one on the card was Jurassic Express versus Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland versus Team Taz. Jurassic Express came out on top, which is not the outcome I was expecting. I didn't have a problem with it, but it's just not the one I was expecting. I will say this is controversial. Um, most people were expecting uh, Jurassic Express to lose, and I think that, that probably would have been like the right booking decision. I would have put him on Starks and Hobbs, but you could probably do a rematch mm-hmm. in the summer. Yeah. It, this was – okay, this match was really good. Everybody did cool stuff. You had this Hobbs, um, Lee, and Luchasaurus squaring off in this really cool, like, muscle man showdown thing. Like, this was good. Okay? It it suffers from following the Anarchy in the Arena match, but it was good. So, that's worth your time. It, I don't know. I'm... AEW has enough goodwill with me that I'm willing to wait and see how this plays out. Like, I'm not happy with how the Owen ended on either side or how the Owen ended on the women's side, but I'm I'm willing to to give this time to breathe and see what happens. Um, but yeah, it's 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 fun. It's a good match. And then you know we're we're kind of running on steam, so we'll go in the main event: CM Punk over Hangman Page. So you said this was a bad match. So why this was this was Hangman Hangman Page's worst title defense. This uh, it's not a necessarily a bad match, but it is it is his least good title defense match. They did not click. They didn't click, and then there were two instances where CM Punk went to go do the buckshot lariat and fell on his ass. I'm dead serious he did the flip over the ropes and when he landed he fell on his ass why would he even try to do that like uh, even him he did it he did it in the build-up in the build-up he did do it but the first time he does it he goes for it he lands and he falls down and he powders out because hangman's coming at him the second time he does it he falls down and then he comes up in the lariat anyway and it's just like dude come on now, now I'm gonna defend him slightly. There was a a King of Trios where AJ Styles botched his um, springboard move, and then he turned it into an angle all weekend. Where all through the tournament, he would either screw it up or someone would pull him off the rope until they got to the final, and he successfully did it, and he got a big pop. <laughs> Well, that's not what we got here. You should. Um, there's actually a compilation on that, but he turned a botch into like a weekend long angle, which was clever. I, I love AJ Styles, but this look, 
the biggest problem I have here, and I understand the why. You've got this guy who doesn't have a lot left in the tank. You want to get as much out of him as you can, so you're going to put the title on him. But I don't like CM Punk. I know he's good, but I don't like him. And so I'm not think, happy to see this. I also think um, coming off of how good the MJF feud was, like he probably should put the title on him. Sure, but I don't – I still don't like him. You know, it's – there's there's a whole bunch of stuff that's changed from when we did that video about him when we talked about CM Punk like, I don't know, 100 episodes ago or something. But he's – you know – for all everyone's like, oh, it's good old Uncle CM Punk. It's like you do realize there are still people out there he screwed and hasn't made amends with, with right? And I, it's like it, I have to like I've generally enjoyed his work in AEW. It's had some flaws. I thought his match with Dax Harwood it was excellent. Um, it was very good. I try really hard to divorce. CM Punk the person from CM Punk the on-screen character because I do that with a lot of people and he you also have to do that with him to a large degree I um I kind of I kind of like the idea that was floated by Dave Meltzer where it's like you could have had Paige retain here and then you build up to like uh, a rematch it all out and maybe we'll still get that regardless but I kind of like the idea of like Paige retains here, then loses, uh, like all out, and maybe they do. They did it backwards. Maybe like Punk wins it here, and you have Paige like do a rematch, at all out. Like I think that's either one's fine. But I, I, I personally think, and people are arguing this online, and I kind of agree with them that this is like, it pay, like uh, sorry, Punk is having a banner year. Like he's having like a career resurgence in more ways than one. Like he's. I feel like he's just been like phenomenal since he came back. I personal preferences of whether we like him or not, uh, I, you know, the, those are kind of separate. But I think he's been like on fire as like a worker and as a the, character. And the MJF feud was probably the best feud in North America in years. Years, yeah, years. years. Yeah. Um, and Punk's forty three, and I think he still has like some gas left in the tank. But it's like if you are gonna pull the trigger on him. You should probably do it sooner rather than later, because like that, we don't know how much gas is left in the tank. Yeah. So you should probably you should probably go and see what you can get out of him well, while you can. Well, while the think... iron's hot, we've talked about that with WWE. Yeah. Like coming out of that MJF feud, I don't think you're gonna get that guy any hotter than <laughs> he was. Like I said, I, it's just because I don't like him, and I I, I think. No, I, I fully appreciate that, Chad, and I agree. Like I would have, he's not my favorite person i think since he's come back i think his character and as an act he's been like phenomenal but i do think because like tony likes to do long-term booking i do think that we're gonna see something in the next like few months because they already like they already sowed the seeds for that when you had page come out there like the promo last week before or before the pay-per-view where it was like a weird like worked shoot uh, angle where Paige is like, oh, I know how it's basically saying like, you, like I cannot let you win because you essentially like destroy titles whenever you win them. It's all about punk. It's not about the actual title. Mm-hmm. And I think that they're kind of sowing the seeds because like that was it was very odd promo at the time. But I think that they're yeah. they're they're working towards something. I think what we're probably going to see is that you have punk 
uh, Punk obviously won the title, and even giving like post uh, pay per view interviews where he's like, you know, I'm, I'm I want to prove myself and I'm going to prove that everyone like I'm going to be like an upstanding champion and everything like that. I think they're going to lead to like Punk slowly like becoming turning heel and being more like his old arrogant on the best in the world self, and then you're going to have to have someone basically defend AEW and win the title back. And maybe that'll be Paige because Paige is like oh. what? Paige is I think 30, 31. Yeah. Yeah. Like I he, have a he's going to be like the ace of the like we talked about aces before. Like he's yeah. Paige is going to be if if you don't consider him the ace now, like he's going to be the ace of the company probably for years to come. I don't see him going to WWE. He's going to be like your your Sting, your Cena, yeah. like whoever you want to choose as like the avatar. Like he's going to probably be like the big deal. I, yeah. You know what I would probably do to to kick off him kind of falling back in those ways. What I would do it all out is I would do Punk Joe four, and you'd have Joe say like you never beat me mm-hmm. in Ring of Honor, do that, and then you have Punk come out on top over Joe, and that's mm-hmm. what really is like the catalyst to him falling back into that. Is it that, or does he? Does he shortcut his way into getting the win? Oh, yeah, you could do that, too. Now, either, either way, though, even if you want clean, though, he gets that monkey off his back. Then he starts getting a little, too. Here's here's my... I don't know if it'll happen, but I love the idea. Because they have confirmed that in September they're going to be back in Arthur Ashe Stadium for Grand Slam. You do go through this whole arc. Punk has a title. Punk becomes the arrogant prick, all that sort of stuff. Arthur Ashe Stadium, that's where Kingston takes it off of him. How – I just love that idea. How great would that be for Eddie, even if it's a, like a one-month reign or whatever? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Like that would be so cathartic, and I'd be ordering a whole bunch of Eddie Kingston shirts that night and that sort of stuff. <laughs> but um, uh, like I said, I don't know if that will happen or not, but I would love it. Yeah, I, I I think Eddie has has proven himself to the point where like I think a, a world title win it one it's something that I see people clamoring for, mm-hmm. but it could totally be believable. And I don't I don't personally know that I'm like I'm sold on him being like a long term champion because I don't think he I will say like personally I don't feel. I'm going by the like conventional wisdom or like, I'm just thinking maybe I'm thinking more like conventionally. Yeah. I don't think he like fits the mold. Unlike your, your long-term champion because he doesn't, he's not a guy that like, even like I like Moxley or Paige like that. It's like, he kind of fits your idea of what like a, a champion is like your, your main event face champion. Yeah. Um, but I do think that he is, has been, he's put enough into the, the business and he's so good in terms of like his his promo ability, and it's not as if he's a bad worker. He's actually a very good worker. He can put on really really compelling matches. I just saw one live where he was facing against uh, Tomohiro Ishii in DC. Mm-hmm. I think that you could do that, um, and maybe do a longer reign for him or not. But I think he deserves at least like a, sh- a short term reign. I just sure. don't know where I don't know where you would fit that in. Like I wouldn't. I don't know that I would fit in right now because Punk just won the title. Um, but maybe if Punk, if the long-term goal is like Punk turn heel, mm-hmm. like you could have him lose the title and win it back again. It's funny. I saw um, 
someone posit this theory, and I don't think it's accurate, but it's fun to think about, is that the AEW title corrupts people. Um, who won it first? Jericho won it first. Dirty, so Jericho's the heel. Moxley takes it off of him. When Moxley gets it, he gets progressively more and more vicious and unhinged. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Omega gets it, and Omega's like... You know, like full bore, arrogant, Don Callis, like the whole nine. And then Paige gets it. And he kept Paige kept flirting with this idea of cheating for wins. Like at the end of the match with Punk, he's got he's standing in the ring. The ref is down. He's holding the title, looking at it, debating running Punk over with it and then decides not to. And that's his downfall. But it's it's like the belt is is a monkey's paw that keeps corrupting people well that's not how monkey's paw works but you know it it's it's like an evil artifact it's the one ring that keeps corrupting people everybody wants it but it doesn't uh you know it keeps uh changing whoever holds it um but you know that that's a that's a fun idea it's not what it is but it's a fun idea but you know kingston doesn't have to be long term i'm okay with that i I just really want Kingston to get a nod for being as good as he is. Yeah. And it wouldn't be hard. Kingston has the title and ends up losing it because his thirst for vengeance overtakes him. Like he's proved he can do it, but Kingston being more of a, it's about the principle of the thing kind of guy would fit. It's like, yeah, I lost the title. That's how much it means for me to, to, you know, take you apart or something like that. Um, yeah, I could totally see that, but Mm -hmm. See, the the hell of it is that I thought it was a – I thought this whole show was a – it was a a good show with some booking decisions, with some some winners that I didn't care for. Yeah, I think some of the the booking here was really, really, in my opinion, like uneven or just scratching my head as to why certain people went – like went over – like the tag title match is like a great example because it's like I do like I don't it's not as if I don't like Jurassic Express I'm just ready for something different um and I think everyone is expecting like the Christian Cage like turn so I'd rather they just get that over with if they are gonna do that and then we have new champions but I don't know like I, I assume there'll be like a rematch of some sort it uh, might be an eventuality to get the like to show to build jungle boy some more before we start digging him into single stuff. And then we get, um, you know, FTR picks him back up or something for FTR is like the tag, the true tag team champions of the world kind of gimmick or something like that. Yeah. And I, I, um, I personally, I, 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 I like the idea to put the title on Wardlow and we have him win it at, uh, all, all out. Yeah. But they really, they really need to do something with the TNT title. And by that, yeah. I mean, like, it's been in the mud since, like, basically since Miro lost it. Like, it's, it's been bad. Yeah, it's not been... Well, it's 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 away from, I think, the biggest instigator of it not being uh, the best. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Sammy took it off Miro. It's been around Sammy a bunch, and that's not really worked. And now Sammy's away from it. 
Well, um, I think I think Sammy would have been okay, but that ill-advised Cody hot shot was really bad, and I think really set the title back. Yeah, I'm not. Sh- I'm still to this day not sure why, but I don't know. And then they anyway. did the same thing with Sammy winning it back from Scorpio Sky. Like they, they yeah. made some bad choices with that. Yeah, they. So both Sammy winning it back, and then Cody. I mean, well, Sammy won it like the first time from Cody. Well, not no, I have that backwards. Like Cody winning it, and then Sammy being the interim champion, and then winning it at uh, at Beach Break. It's like that both times. Like that's those shenanigans. It's because it's been like the Battle of the Belts uh, special. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like okay, I I understand the concept. It's like okay, you want to have a title change on this special, but it's it's kind of like mess things up. It's like maybe yeah. I understand you want to have like the championships on the line at Battle of the Belts, like that specials. You're gonna if you're gonna do them in the future. Yeah. But you don't need to have the title change hands. Like you really no. don't. So I think enough of that. Like if you have future Battle of the Belts, I imagine they will. It's like you can have a, a title match, just don't have the title change hands. Like that's I think yeah. that's that screwed things up. Or or actually think out to having a tight a major title change there that you had planned yeah because i mean i fully believe that cody won it only because like tony khan wanted to have a title change at battle of the belts and there was that whole like covid scare thing with cody and that kind of screwed things up and then it was like the same thing it's like you have scorpio win it only to lose it back to, to sammy because you wanted like you wanted to pop it where it's like, oh, battle of the belts, like someone can win. The- it's like, okay, we get it. We get the, we get the gimmick. Like, we get the concept. I, it Just might ha- it might have been, by the way, Cody getting that, and that might have been a ploy by TK to to try and and work the negotiation part. Um, I don't know. Just a conspiracy theory a little bit, but we don't know. We're not sure. Um, so we ended up double or nothing longer than than we thought we would. <laughs> so. Here's what we're going to do. Next week, we are going to come back for our cruiserweight, uh, uh, our nitro cruiserweight uh, ranking breakdown thing. And we're going to talk about that next week. It is going to happen. And we've then, got notes um, for it. We're planned for it. The week after that, I have to double check with him. But uh, Tim should be returning to the show because we are going to be doing a movie review of Predator. Okay. It's been a while since I watched Predator. I'm glad we've got the time for it. Yeah, that's, um, that's up next. And then um, we have, uh, because it was on Matt's, um, actually, Mount Rushmore Video Games, we're going to be reviewing um, the first Shining Force game in July. So there's there's previews some things to come. Um, hope you guys are looking forward to it as much as we are. So... We would love to hear from you on our social media about any topics you might like to hear us discuss. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Please hit us up. We would love to hear from you. And so, with all of that being said, this is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three corners. You're in the fourth, and we will catch you next time.